Hi everyone, Dan Cassidy here. Welcome to Top of the Morning on the UBS Market Moves podcast channel. Our conversation will focus back in on the technology sector as we will cover the drivers behind the selling pressure we have witnessed here at the start of 2022 and how to think about positioning within the group. Uh, Joining us for the conversation today, glad to welcome back Kevin Dineen, Information Technology and Communication Services Analyst Americas with the UBS Chief Investment Office. So, Kevin, great to be with you as always. Thank you for dropping by and looking forward to our conversation. Hey, good morning, Dan, and thanks for having me back on. Absolutely. So, Kevin, to set the stage and for some context for our listeners, our clients, I recall, Kevin, uh, you did publish a piece earlier in January. The title of that piece was U.S. Information Technology 2022 Outlook in 22 Charts. So, Kevin, can you provide us with a high-level look at that piece, maybe some takeaways, and then we'll dig a bit deeper into the sector? Yeah, great, Dan. So, I would say we had three main takeaways in our outlook. Um, so first off, we think IT, IT sector fundamentals are, are extremely healthy across all major end markets. Now, obviously, um, we're not we're not going to be able to, to. We need to think about what's happening with um, events in Ukraine. Um, but coming into this, we, we thought that wherever we looked in the IT sector, all the major drivers for sector revenues and, and margins and earnings were, were very healthy. In terms of valuation, you know, we thought that valuation is rich. We think it's inarguably rich, but we also say it's it's rich, but it's worth it. Um, we think there is some interest rate risk in in some particular parts of technology, but overall, we would say the sector's valuation, um, which is as I said, rich, it seems to be justified by superior returns, um, returns on equity, uh, which really reflect fundamentals versus other sectors. And lastly, in terms of positioning or how we think you should position your holdings in the, in the sector, um, we continue to advocate for more exposure in, uh, in your IT holdings to more value-type technology names, more mid-caps versus mega-caps, and more cyclical versus uh, secular in terms of technology. Now, I want to be clear. Um, when we talk about more exposure to value, more exposure to mid-cap, it's not just because those names have underperformed. It's, it's actually because from a bottom-up view – uh, what we see happening fundamentally in the sector maps pretty nicely to some of these mid-cap names and some of these these, uh, these value-type names and these cyclical names within technology. Um, overall, that we re- maintain a neutral stance on the sector. Um, we think partly what happens to technology may be dependent on other sectors. We, we, we talk in a note about the historical correlation of excess returns, and the short story here is, um, you know, at this point in the cycle, we think you have to be very attentive to what's happening in the energy markets, because historically, if you look at excess returns or the differences, the difference between sector returns and the S&P 500, which is what we're really trying to solve for, if you look at the correlation of those excess returns, um, a lot of times when energy is done well, technology is lagged. So um, to wrap it up, fundamentals healthy, valuation rich but expensive, justified by returns. We think you should have more value. We think you should have more mid-caps. 
we think you should have more cyclical exposure in technology. Kevin, that was a great backdrop. So thank you for taking a few moments here at the start to walk us through your initial thoughts. And to your point, I know we're monitoring some very fluid geopolitical factors that could perhaps pose implications. Putting that aside for a moment, and perhaps that's also contributing to the pressure more broadly in the markets, but you think about the selling pressure we've seen in IT since the beginning of the year with the tech-heavy NASDAQ composite down almost 20% of its 52-week high. So I'm curious, Kevin, what the disconnect there is. And I know we'll talk about fundamentals in a minute. You mentioned they are healthy, but what's been pushing the NASDAQ tech stocks lower from your vantage point? Dan, I, so we wrote a piece um, after this outlook came, came out uh, towards the end of, of January uh, talking about this exact dynamic. And, and in a word, it came down to interest rates. Um, most of the downturn of in the S&P 500 sector from, call it, the December 27 high to late January, maybe early February, has really been driven by uh, valuations in the sector coming under pressure as rates moved higher. Now, more recently, I think it's been geopolitical concerns that have pressured the IT sector and other parts of the market. But there's no doubt in my mind, and I think the data supports this, that the downdraft was kicked off by rising interest rates and uh, investor concerns around inflation and the Fed. And and basically, it, it, you can sum it up as well, it's just a continuation of the growth-to-value rotation that we've seen in the market. And again, uh, with energy doing well, um, you know, I think that Historic, that historic correlation just played out in real time over the last two or three months. Kevin, can you talk to us a bit about the linkage of interest rates and valuation? I know interest rates have been a big point of interest, even more broadly in the markets. Yeah, so if, if we, when we think about interest rates, we think about it a couple of different ways. So first and foremost, you know, I think um, a lot of people are familiar with the concept that the market is a discounting mechanism and that the value of a stock represents the future of all free cash flow discounted by an appropriate interest rate. Um, so as rates moved higher, that discounting factor um, goes up. So those future cash flows aren't quite as valuable in a rising interest rate environment. Um, we tied it to a concept that's more often used in fixed income portfolios, this notion of duration. Duration is something that you typically hear attached more to fixed income instruments. And what duration is, it's the sensitivity of price relative to changes in interest rates. And as I said, we typically talk about duration relative to fixed income instruments, but stocks have duration also. And as rates went higher, what we saw was the most highly valued stocks in, in, in the IT sector or in bond, bond terms, the stocks with the longest duration, they came under the most pressure. Um, and and we, we got there by looking at uh, valuation versus free cash flow as a proxy for duration. So that, that's why we're pretty confident that a lot of the move from, again, the December 27 highs through late January, early February we're, we're really driven more by interest rates than fundamentals. In fact, um, sector estimates are actually revised higher uh, through most of through um, earnings season as results and guidance were, for the most part, above consensus. Kevin, can you tie this back to valuation? You did mention IT was rich but worth it. So, Kevin, how does that square with your comments about interest rate sensitivity? Yeah, so we, we think that the sector is definitely rich. Now, valuation has come in a bit since we first published our note, but the IT sector 
as of last night, were marked down a little bit this morning. Um, the IT sector was trading at about 23 and a half times forward earnings. That's a 24, 25% premium to the S&P 500. Now, the multiple had come in a bit from the recent highs. We, we, we did trade as high as a 28 forward PE multiple. That was a 33% premium to the market. But even with this pullback from 28 to 23 and a half, um, the, the technology sector is still sitting pretty close to about 17-year highs in terms of valuation. Um, so the sector is undoubtedly rich, but we think you have to look at this from a couple of different dimensions. And one thing that we've been focused on is looking at the core at, at, at why why the sector is trading at such a rich uh, rich valuation. And we think it came down to returns. Um, instead of just looking at PEs, we looked at price to book value versus returns on equity. And what we saw was very strong correlation between a sector's valuation in terms of price to book versus its ROE. Um, interestingly, it held at the sector level uh, as a snapshot. When we looked back at the sector's history, that correlation was very strong. And when we looked inside the sector and we looked at individual names, we again saw a very high correlation between price to book and ROE. So we we think that that the, the sector's multiple really reflects the, the fundamentals, the strong margins, strong earnings growth that, that the sector's had, and that gets reflected in, in very high ROEs, uh, returns on equity. So I think the sector's inarguably rich on a PE basis, but I think you can um, I think you can look at this on a price to book and see that the valuation is deserved because the ROE relative to all the other sectors in the market are so high and relative to its own history. It, it seems justified. Okay, so where does interest rate risk come in then? So if, if we look inside the technology sector, what we saw were was every single industry, you know, whether it's semiconductors, semi-cap equipment, software, IT services, hardware, com equipment, all these, all these individual industry groups, they saw their multiples, their PE multiples increase over time, but none more, more so than software. And when we dissected returns and valuation, it was pretty clear to us that software benefited from lower rates and a flatter yield curve. And and the linkage there is, you know, if you think back during the the depths of the pandemic or the heights of the pandemic, however you want to think about it, uh, it was still a risk-on environment. You had, you know, significant fiscal stimulus. You had significant monetary stimulus. I think that kept investors engaged in the markets and wanting to stay invested. And I think this this lower interest rate, this flatter yield curve herded investors into things that had secular growth, things that had high recurring revenues, things that had high visibility, quality business models, quality balance sheets, strong free cash flow generation. And that really within technology was a few, um, you know, classic growth themes, but really concentrated in the software group. And I think what you're seeing now is uh, some of that reversing and there could be, excuse me, there could be more to go. I mean, we're seeing rates lower on the back of geopolitics. Um, who knows where this all shakes out? But if we do get a more upward path in rates, if we get the Fed raising rates, there could be some more valuation pressures um, driven by interest rates. And we think that would be concentrated largely in the most expensive parts of the IT sector and largely in the software group. Thank you, Kevin, for the color on interest rate risk. Maybe we can revisit fundamentals for a few moments. What are you seeing in terms of drivers, Kevin? Yeah, so as we think about the IT sector, we try to bucket 
drivers of demand and, and, and profitability and growth into a few different sectors, into a few different categories. So enterprise spending clearly is a big driver here. And on that front, we think all, all, all lights are green. Um, obviously, Ukraine, we have to see if that throws a pause and everything, but uh, Xing that out for a moment. Um, we think IT spending is, is really robust. Uh, there is the ongoing move to digitalization. There is the, the, the need to sort of retool office environments as we get people back to work um, in an environment that probably will look different than the one we left two plus years ago. Um, that's good. We also see very strong growth from the cloud service providers. We're seeing cloud revenues like software as a service, infrastructure as a service, platform as a service, these classic cloud services you know, growing 20, 25% off of very large revenue bases. Uh, it's not in technology itself, but it's a big buyer of, of hardware and software. Uh, digital advertising to us looks very robust. So all these cloud-based companies, you're talking, you know, literally hundreds of billions of, of dollars of revenue growing at 20%. We're going to see an awful lot of CapEx, capital investment to support that. That CapEx is going to be in the form of IKEA hardware, that, that'll be servers, that'll be storage, that'll be networking equipment, and all of those um, all those hardware products consume an awful lot of semis. At the at the same time, we think the PC market is probably pretty stable at around these levels, at around 350 million units per year. That's a far cry from where we were pre-pandemic, and that's important because uh, smartphones and PCs and servers account for about you know 65% of semiconductor demand. And on, on, on smartphones, you know, we had been cautious there for a number of years. We called it peak smartphone. And we think the data supported that because the smartphone market declined every year from, I think, 16 to 2020 and finally perked up in 2021 on the back of aggressive promotions from U.S. carriers and Chinese national policy around 5G. Um, we think going forward, the smartphone industry is looking at twin peaks in terms of average selling price and, and revenue, um, because we think going forward, the market's going to should grow low single digit percentage, but we think the mix will be driven more by developed, developing markets, emerging markets, where average selling prices are much lower. That's a headwind to industry revenue. But having said that, unit growth even there should be pretty positive. So if I put it all together, healthy IT spending, healthy demand for cloud, healthy demand for cloud CapEx, all very good for, for semiconductors, as well as benefiting from ongoing demand in autos and industrials. So semis actually remain our preferred industry group. We think you have positive uh, fundamental backdrop. We think you have underappreciated earnings power, and we think you have limited uh, valuation risk relative to rates. So we, we, think, we think fundamentals really across the sector are all pretty much green, green lights right now. Again, we have to see you know, exactly what happens with Ukraine. Um, but coming into this, uh, we feel, we feel about as good on IT sector fundamentals as we have in the past six years. So Kevin, given that sentiment on fundamentals, you outlined some risks for us earlier, specific to interest rates, but also as you alluded to, we are continuing to monitor very fluid geopolitical developments. And just given how the group has been trading over the past, almost at this point, two months, maybe a good ending point is on positioning. So what are you telling our clients, Kevin, about how to be positioned within the IT sector at the moment? We think within technology, investors should hold more value-type technology names 
excuse me, more mid-cap technology names and more cyclical names. Now, again, I, I referenced this earlier in our conversation. It's not just because these names are statistically cheap or or, or value or simply a valuation call. We're really tying it back to fundamentals. So, I spoke earlier about demand for IT hardware seems really robust. Those names tend to map more towards the value portion of technology than the growth portion. Um, also, a healthy bit of mid-cap exposure in there. We like semiconductors, right? So that is also value. It's often mid-cap, and it's certainly cyclical. Um, so we think you can have exposure to the sector. We think you can have exposure to the key drivers without taking on a lot of interest rate risk. And having the other thing that we would point to is um, we're – we would also own quality software companies with real revenues, real margins, real cash flows that trade at reasonable valuations. Now, software will have some interest rate risk and some PE risk, but at some point, interest rates will find a ceiling, and we think you're going to be left with high-quality businesses that largely compound through it. So ultimately, we think you should um, still maintain your exposure there with the realization that interest rate headwinds could cause valuation compression, and maybe the stocks don't do a whole lot for a year. But as I said, when rates do find a ceiling, you're left owning high-quality assets with strong growth prospects. So bottom line, more value, more mid-cap, more cyclical, and in software, own quality, own growth at a reasonable price. Kevin, thank you very much for dropping by top of the morning today. Appreciate you outlining your current thinking when it comes to sector fundamentals, outlining some key risk considerations, and I greatly appreciate your guidance on positioning as well. Of course, a lot here uh, that is fluid that we can follow up on, so looking forward to continuing our conversation at some point, though. Thank you again for your time today. Thank you, Dan. Great to be with you. Likewise. Thank you, Kevin. And again, today we've been joined by Kevin Deneen, Technology and Communication Services Analyst Americas with the UBS Chief Investment Office. So as a reminder to our clients and our listeners, the UBS Chief Investment Office does author a variety of publications and blogs that touch on timely market developments, asset classes, and portfolio allocation. These resources can all be located on UBS.com forward slash CIO, including a recent publication authored by Kevin that is Information Technology, U.S. Fundamentals Healthy, but Interest Rates Are a Headwind. So for clients of UBS, please be sure to reach out to your financial advisor if you would like to receive a copy of that publication directly. Top of the Morning is part of the UBS Market Moves podcast channel, which is available where podcasts are found, including on Apple Podcasts. Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher, and Pandora. Visit UBS.com forward slash studios to view the entire podcast offering as well as the new UBS trending video series. From UBS Studios, I'm Dan Cassidy. Thank you for joining us. UBS Chief Investment Office's investment views are prepared and published by the Global Wealth Management Business of UBS AG or its affiliate, UBS. This material has no regard to the specific investment objectives, financial situation, or particular needs of any specific recipient and is published for informational purposes only. As a firm providing wealth management services to clients globally, UBS AG and its subsidiaries offer both investment advisory services and brokerage services. Investment advisory services and brokerage services are separate and distinct, differ in material ways 
days and are governed by different laws and separate arrangements. In the USA, UBS Financial Services, Inc. is a subsidiary of UBS AG and a member of FINRA SIPC. For information, please visit our website at ubs.com forward slash working with us. For a full legal disclaimer applicable to the independent investment views produced by UBS, please visit our website at ubs.com forward slash CIO disclaimer.